This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hey there, I'm Casey Finey, host of Creative Control, and we're actually in production for season two of the podcast. So while we're hard at work bringing you more of the people and trends shaping the creator economy, please enjoy this throwback episode. I feel like I say this about a lot of my conversations, but I really, really love this one with John Cho, especially toward the end where he talks about simplifying his creative process. I know that I have a tendency to really overthink things to the point where I'm almost paralyzed. So talking to John was a reminder that it's okay and sometimes necessary to keep it simple. Also, when this podcast was called Creative Conversation, throwback to the people who remember Creative Conversation, I used to end every episode by asking my guests how they define creativity. So check out a compilation of answers after my conversation with John Cho. Enjoy. It is the process of simplification that's connected to looking at a person. And I think that's been my creative path is simplification and connection. And that's been a lifelong experience for me, a lifelong journey. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and this is Creative Conversation, a Fast Company podcast. John Cho is at a point in his career where he can really be intentional with what projects he chooses, and his intention for his latest project was to push himself like no other role has done before. John stars as Spike Spiegel in Netflix's adaptation of the much-beloved anime Cowboy Bebop. From the physicality of the character to the show itself blending multiple genres, John was in completely new territory that pushed him to the brink of both his creativity and his body. In our conversation, John explains the clarity he found while nursing an onset injury, the acting advice that changed his perspective quite literally, and how he's returning to the simplicity of creativity. All right. Well, hi, John Cho. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm great. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to Spike right now, and that's exciting for me. <laughs> so, you know, I always love to honestly take it from the beginning with my guests and ask, you know, for you in particular, when did acting really shift into focus for you in a in a meaningful way? Well, I started acting as a lark in college, and then... Um, I'd done a couple of student plays and didn't think anything would come of it, didn't think it was a career. I literally didn't think it was possible to be Asian. Oh. I just grew up watching television and saw so few. I was like, okay, well, you can't actually be a professional actor. That doesn't make sense. And I I must have seen Asians on occasion. Asians on occasion sounds like a <laughs> that's a that's a podcast. That sounds like so. some kind of internet startup. Uh, <laughs> or sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> I must have seen Asians uh, on occasion on television, you know, but I, I must have thought that they were like uh, regular people who, who had other jobs and did that on occasion or something like that. I, I, I'm, sh I'm sure that was my conception. I didn't think that it was actually possible to make a living from it. And um, when I was in college, uh, they... Um, I got cast in a professional play and that uh, was based on a very um, well-known Asian-American novel uh, called The Woman Warrior. And um, 
it was then that I met it, the whole cast was Asian American. And that was when I thought, oh, this is this is a uh, possible uh, they're professionals. Um, and uh, it was their mentoring that that led me to consider it because mm. I it didn't seem at all like a, a realistic thing right. before that. I love how you mentioned, you know, thinking about what you're getting from a role, because I wanted to ask, I mean, is there a particular role or project that you've done that's had a significant impact on you as a creative, as a performer? I think, I, I guess I remember more of the failures than of the successes. Mm. And I'll, I, the when you mentioned that, I, I guess it's, uh, it reveals where my brain is at, uh, because I, <laughs> I go right to the failures, um, but like in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I don't want to brag, but I was in it. I mean, listen, hey, that's not a brag. That's a fact. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, I was that was like uh, my first time starring in a feature film, and it was a big deal. And um, because it was a comedy, I was really, really trying to be funny all the time, and I was trying to deliver what i thought was the point was um me being funny in as many moments as possible if i were to do that role again i think i would relax and give myself the freedom to not be funny because i was a straight man uh it was cal penn's job to do the heavy funny lifting and he was better at me than that and i was trying i just thought it's a comedy i'm supposed to be funny and um it doesn't fit and so that I think I was uptight about it. It relates to your question because I think I was trying to deliver what I was supposed to do rather than look at the page and go, this is what, uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, um, for the role versus sort of trying to please people. And it is very, very difficult to shut out the noise, especially if you're looking around and seeing a lot of money being spent and a lot of people sweating, you know, um, and so I think that's where I'm getting at with, you know, mentioning Harold and Kumar. And um, in those early days, it was very difficult to go through a scene and not think of all the um, uh, all the consequences of how much time you were taking. And uh, yeah, no. And that is actually an excellent segue, because I want to obviously talk about cowboy bebop when you when you mentioned it's hard not to be swept up in the the pressure and the and the anxiety i mean john <laughs> you sure picked a role that has i would imagine so not imagine i know has so many eyes on it i mean you are obviously playing the lead role as spike spiegel in cowboy bebop which is just one of the most beloved anime that i think exists i mean it's an easily everyone's like top five if you know anything about anime and Yo, so you're, you're making me nervous right now li i mean <laughs> like, listen i'm just saying as a fan myself as someone who would catch this late at night like super late at night and one of my favorite episodes by far is the mad piro that one just like still freaks me out to this day it's so good but you know i kind of want to start like what did you connect with with this part that made you say yes because when i when the, the casting announcement came out i was like oh i was like i, I can see it like it, it took me a second i was like john cho really okay no i get it and so for you i mean like what what did you connect with with this character that made you sign on for it um it was less the character probably because it was the, it took me a while to sort of figure out 
how to approach the character. But I think it, for me initially, it was just how absolutely unique the landscape of the show was and the elements were. And um, it was kind of a genre that I was interested in. I mean, with the way we're playing it, it's definitely an action genre, but it fits firmly in the action genre. But um, it was so weird. It was so wonderfully weird. And it was such a collision of different genres that in its totality, it seemed like the most dream job I could ask for in the sense that it was a mix of genres that I had always wanted to play in, you know, noir and Westerns and sci-fi. And the dialogue was unusual uh, and sparkling. The, the world was completely interesting and funny and um, it, it just was uh, unlike anything I'd ever seen. And I think that was where I started going, okay, this is, this is really interesting. Yeah. And in that space of encountering material and just, you know, a, a reference point that you, that you had an experience as an actor in your very long career, I must say, um, you know, <laughs> for you, I mean, I'm not trying to age you, but I'm just saying, no. <laughs> like, it's like, I say that as like a, a compliment <laughs> because to be like mm -hmm. a working actor for this long, it's, okay. it's not <laughs> easy. So, you know, you, when you have a role, like where there is such a clear reference point, I mean, this is based on an anime, um, again, much beloved and Spike is such a <laughs> interesting character in his own right. So what do you take from the animated Spike? And you, the live action John Cho, and what like what is that blend? Like, how do you find your center in a character like Spike? Yeah, I, I, that, that was a question I was wondering about probably the whole season. Um, and where I started, because we were starting with an anime, with a with a drawing rather than uh, I'll compare it to um, Star Trek. Uh, that was the other time that I played a character that was previously portrayed. And um, mm -hmm. for some reason, I felt it was easier to step into the shoes of a person rather than an illustration. Um, and with the illustration, with the with the anime, I uh, of course, there was a voice performance and there were lines that I was echoing. But where I started, and uh, this is the first time for me to start in this place, was physicality. I was like, who is... Um, just watching the way he walked and moved and um, where he stood when others were moving and uh, how he contrasted, um, how he moved in his world uh, in contrast to everyone else. Mm. But even then, I was like, okay, the second step of that was the training. And I started to think every day during training about who is the person that can do this and what are they like in their lives when they're not doing this. Mm. and. Um, if that makes sense. And that, and that's where I started. And then I started learning about the rest of the character history from our showrunner, which is the journey of season one is learning w w his origins and um, his past that he is hiding. And um, so I started there. And, and, and then eventually it's saying the lines in the script and going where those scripts take you. So there's it's some combination of all those things. And towards the end of the season, it was really, I felt that we had moved past sort of establishing things and was just trying to play the moments as honestly as I could. Right. And I'm sure you do this for every role, but it sounds like you gave this a tremendous amount of thought. And I know that, 
you know, while filming, you had an injury. I mean, you tore your ACL and that shut down production for a while. And so in that time, what came of that time? Because I imagine, you know, as you're healing and going through physical therapy, I would imagine that's even more time to sit with this character, sit in this world and really think, think about how you want to approach it. So what did come of that time? Like when you had your injury and everything was shut down, what came of that? Um, I think I came back probably with a um, renewed, it was just a real deep commitment to the role. And I think I came back thinking about the whole of the project in a way that I typically don't. I guess it started with thinking, oh, geez, after I injured my knee, the production shut down and I was devastated for the crew. I I know it, it sounds like I'm lying, but it it, it really was true that the moment it happened, I thought of all the jobs that were going to be suspended. And it doesn't sound like you're lying. It just sounds like you're a human. Don't change a thing, John. Don't, don't change a thing. So I thought, I, I think I, it led me to when I came back, I was thinking about the whole thing in a way that I tended not to. Uh, previously, I think I was very much focused on my part when I was done, when I was starting, conditions for my performance. And I think I came back and I was thinking much more about how are we going to get through this? How are we going to make our day? Is the show going to be good? It, it, does this episode make sense? Do these characters uh, follow from one one episode to the next? I was, uh, I'm not entirely sure why that shift happened um but i think it's related to the injury and i sat there every day you know i woke up and it was all right i gotta get stronger i'm not gonna have that happen again and uh, i gotta get back to 100 percent, and if possible exceed that come back better and I, th- I think i did come back better uh than i than i started and um and i think the show of faith from netflix and our producers to suspend and come back with me, it released me from the anxieties uh, that, that typically plagued me. And uh, I was like, okay, everyone's behind me. I'm going to come in confident. And um, it, I think it allowed me to think more freely about the character hmm. and to feel more freely about the character. Um, but it was really um, kind of a reason to get up every day and do the work. We're going to take a quick break, and when we're back, John explains the advice he got from fellow actor Willem Dafoe that changed his whole perspective. More of our throwback episode of Creative Control after the break. This episode of Creative Control is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. When you think about your career, what do you think has been your biggest creative challenge? Ooh, uh, the biggest creative challenge. Um, I think of something very small, which is uh, I'm going to go to. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but um, many years ago, I did a movie with uh, Willem Dafoe, and uh, who's an actor I admire very, very much, um, and he. I told the story before, but he um, 
we were doing a scene and I have a tendency and you can probably see it in your video feed. I have a tendency when I'm thinking to look askance and when I'm thinking and composing my words, which is something I do in real life. Mm. And I was doing that in the scene that we were doing. And he said, um, because I was young, he, I think he felt comfortable enough. He said, John, may I um, give you a note? Mm. And that's uh, not typical. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to technically as an actor, give another actor notes, but I welcomed it. And I said, of course, of course, I'd love to know uh, what you think. And he said, um, I notice you look around when you're thinking, try the scene um, looking directly at me and see what happens. And um, it was the smallest thing that was the, 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 I'm ashamed to say it took me years and years and years to really look at people in the eye and, and completely focus. And what was incredible about that after years of really trying to hold that gaze and look into a person was how much easier things became because I was receiving so much that I realized I was ignoring before. And I think if there is a single creative journey that I've been on, it is encapsulated in that is <laughs> I think when I was younger, I took pride in doing difficult things and performing difficult scenes. And now I take no pride in that. And what I try to do is make everything as simple as possible. And I try in a scene to set up things so that I have to do as little work as humanly possible to feel things hmm. uh, and to be authentic. And um, so it is the process of simplification that's connected to looking at a person. And I think that's uh, been my creative path is simplification and connection. And that's been a lifelong experience for me, a lifelong journey. And um, it is embarrassing how many years it has taken and I'm still not there and how difficult it is. You know what I mean? Because it's the simplest thing, but yeah. Right. When you got that note from Willem Dafoe, which I mean, if you're going to take a note from someone, take it from him. Um, like, did you think about like where that started for you? I mean, you, you, you said that you do it in real life and you know, something that is, uh, it, it sounds like it's always been kind of a part of who you are. Like, what would you say is at the root of that? I'm sure to some extent it's cultural hmm. that, the way I was raised, you were not, uh, when you're speaking to an authority figure, you're not supposed to look them in the eye. And um, I think I uh, might have internalized that. And over the years, uh, when something's important, I tend to look away. And instead of trying very intently to connect with them, you know, and um, I wonder if it's also like something uh, when I was learning English, you know, when I was six years old, trying to compose those sentences in my head correctly and get the sequence of the words mm. right before they came out of my mouth. I think it took some doing in the organizing in the brain before I opened my mouth. And I think that might be a habit that I developed very early when learning English. Mm. Um, so that's possible. All right. But yeah, it's just a guess. Hmm. Interesting. And I don't mind taking, you know, hard turns on this podcast, <laughs> but when are you putting out new music? Um, because you had a band that is actually really good. Oh, <laughs> like I'm no, it, it's listen. 
Viva La Union. Like, <laughs> it's so okay. good. And I like, I feel like it's one of those, I actually re-listened, I remember when it, when you, when you all first came on in the scene and I was like, John Cho sings? What? <laughs> and that, I actually re-listened to it in getting ready for this podcast and it still holds up. And I know like, you know, the, I think you had a feature of like uh, one of your songs was in Harold and Kumar. Um, but the whole album is really good. And it just, in kind of preparing for this interview, I was just like, does that even, is that even still a passion of his? Like a passion, a, a passion strong enough to put it out. Cause I imagine you probably still perform and sing and whatnot for, you know, the, the very fortunate audience that is not me. <laughs> oh no, we haven't played for a long time. I got sidetracked from that for years because of the family and stuff and, mm. The other career was uh, muscling its way in, um, but I definitely would go back to it. And it's funny, man. Um, my son is really getting into music right now, and mm. I think I'm just going through a phase where I'm. I think I went through a career building phase of my life, and I'm like, um, it's uh, as I said before. I, I think I'm starting to think about everything creative in a different way where I'm, I'm not thinking about building anything. I'm just sort of following what speaks to me. Mm. And, um, the reason I mentioned my, my son's music interest is probably it's reignited. It sounds stupid to say, it's just, uh, reignited my interest in creating music, just finding just the simple pleasure. And those two chords sound really interesting and fun together. Let's play. Yeah. Just uh, finding that sense of play. And I think I was disconnected from that for a long time and in all kinds of things. And um, I'm re entering that phase of my life. Yeah. As you should. <laughs> becoming a baby again. I know. Becoming listen. A baby again. Listen. <laughs> I, I, I want this to happen. And Thanks. I mean, I guess all it took is just to have, you know, a son to, to reignite your passion <laughs> in music. But no, I think it's incredible. And I feel like, and, and, and I'm glad because I, I think for a lot of people, it's easy to kind of lose sight of certain passions because you just get so wrapped up in the day to day of things and building something else. And, I just love the fact that you're even considering, you know, yeah. just returning to it because, yeah, it's something that I, I just think is so important having those having those interests outside of your core, yeah, job, your core career. So I endorse this. Make the reunion happen. <laughs> I just wrote a novel, and whoa, <laughs> it was an interesting journey because it, it's a middle grade novel, and I was trying to connect with how I felt when I was. 12 and what books were doing for me at that time in my life you know it felt i guess everything at that age feels like um it is saving you hmm. you know uh everything artistic feels like um life and death yeah. you know and yes. and i felt like those books when i was you know I, at the time we were moving around all the time and it was it felt I carried books around, uh, you know, descending stairs, reading books and mm -hmm. taking them to the dinner table. And it was like an oxygen tank. And I, I guess it's been an interesting year for me, you know, being reconnected to the vitality of art at a young age mm. for myself. And, and um, I guess that's it for all of us. We're just trying to if you're an artist, you're just connecting to things that pleased you as a kid and and um, and kept you alive. 
God, that sounds dramatic. Well, I mean, you are an actor. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what was the novel? I can't believe I missed this. Oh, no, no. It's it's not out yet. Okay, it's, I was going to um, say. coming out next March, uh, March 22nd. It's called, uh, it's called Troublemaker, and it's about a Korean-American boy who comes home um, after being suspended from school on April 29th, 1992. So specific. <laughs> yeah. He he realizes that uh, the Rodney King verdict has been read, and go. that his city is um, is going up in flames. So he's uh, his father goes to his family, their family store to board it up in case there's uh, trouble on the streets. And um, the protagonist, uh, uh, the boy, he he decides his father needs his gun, and then finds it and sneaks out of the house to deliver the gun to his father Mm. and uh it's the journey of trying to get there without a car and you're 12 and that's the uh, story of the book well then (laughs) (laughs) uh all right adding that to my cue um that sounds incredible (laughs) and you know i always love ending the podcast with this question because it's just it's so entertaining to hear everyone's answers so considering everything that we've been talking about and just your career overall how have you come to define creativity? I guess I would connect it to, um, I guess, especially um, now that I have kids, it is, um, if you can get to a place where it is completely free of weight, that's the place where you want to be. If it's pleasure, whether it's the coupling of five or six words in a, in a sequence that that brings a smile to your face. That's like, that's where you want to get to. Um, if you're playing a scene, um, if you're playing a scene and, um, you just are connected to that other person in that scene, um, and you feel intimate with them, uh, that's just pleasurable. Uh, I, I guess, um, for me, it's, um, working very hard to get to simplicity and to where children can access it in an instant. And, as an adult, as the years go on, it's harder and harder every year to return to that place. And uh, I think that's our job, is to work towards simplicity and purity and fun hmm. and connection. I could not agree more. And yeah, I am trying to. I I, <laughs> I, I definitely try to do that myself. But oh, man, John, thank you so much for this. This was such a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. That- Thanks for making it easy. Hey there. This week, I have a bonus episode for you. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that I love to end every conversation with the same question. How do you define creativity? It seems simple enough. And honestly, when I started asking it, I thought I would get the same answers over and over again. But I have been truly surprised at how often my guests are stumped by this question and even more surprised by their thoughtful answers. So I thought it'd be fun to do a roundup of some of my favorite answers from this season. Hopefully these will shake loose some creativity for you. Enjoy. Kicking off this roundup is actor and director David Oyelowo, who finds his creativity by embracing fear. Creativity is to feel the fear and do it anyway. I think true creativity has to be in the atmosphere of risk and fear and danger. 
moving any art form forward tends to be because you're taking a big swing and that's where you create something you know to purely imitate something is to be safe uh to truly create something is to take a risk um and so i tend to gravitate going back to what we were talking about earlier about my career and the choices i've made i tend to gravitate towards roles and projects that are terrifying to me they may not be terrifying to other people but you know directing the waterman was terrifying i mean you know this is this is millions of dollars this is a this is a story that i knew people would be like ha ah, but you do those important movies you do those historical movies you do you know why have you gone off and done this this family adventure movie but it's because i so adore those films i loved those films growing up and i just the idea I mean, the greatest compliment, or one of the greatest compliments people pay me with regards to the Waterman, is when they even say the word Spielberg in relation to anything I've done. You know, that was such like, I mean, I'd never heard the phrase Spielbergian before I made this film, <laughs> and 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 that is just like, oh my goodness, I think I may have even just hemmed the fringes of Spielberg's <laughs> garment with this film, you know. Um, and be made anew. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, so that, but that's a, ter- you know, you know you're going into that kind of territory with this kind of film. So the short version of the answer is creativity has to be uh, gained or at least experienced, in my opinion, through the lens of, of fear. Up next, we're going to hear from model and entrepreneur Ashley Graham, who's leaning on faith and new surroundings to get her process going. Creativity just is like in so many different facets of of my life. For me, it's it's really like it, this year alone during the pandemic, I have really tapped into my spiritual side in a big way. And I think that just knowing that there's something bigger than you and tapping into prayer, meditation, just knowing that, like that can get your creative juices flowing because you're tapping into something outside of your industry, outside of your friend zone, outside of the normal day-to-day conversation. And when you can hear like an audible voice speaking back to you about like what your future should look like, I mean, that that is, that's intriguing and that can really help you get to this other side. I think just also stepping outside of my normal day to day, like going back to Nebraska, even though I can't say that Nebraska is one of the most inspirational places in the world, it was something that was invigorating in in that I had a, a fresh new outlook on life. Not only did I have a new baby and my husband and I were there with my mom under her roof, but it was something that was stimulating and creative. And I think that going outside of a norm day to day can really get your juices flowing. And that's what it did for me. Social media star Zach King has made an incredibly successful career from his digital sleights of hand. And his secret to relentless creativity is quite simple. When I look at the creative process, it's about birthing an idea, a, a new idea into the world. Your your version of an idea. It doesn't have to be original, but it's your version. But ultimately, I wonder if creativity is about following up on your curiosity, if it's in actually executing on it. And I, I say follow up because I think a lot of people have these ideas. They wonder, oh, what would it be like if 
if you, you drove an all electric car and then, you know, that's a nice idea. They never do anything, but to really pursue it the next, well, how would you do that? Oh, so well, what would it take to build batteries that need to be, you know, like it's following up on that curiosity, which usually involves some sort of execution and making. And I think that's where the magic of creativity is. Here's author, actor, and comedian Quinta Brunson explaining how her creativity comes from the far reaches of her industry. Some of the most creative things I see are not the most successful, mm-hmm. but they're the most advancing in genre bending and, and create help create the new waves. Some of my friends and I were just talking about like sometimes we see tweets like about how insert person here is the only person doing things like this and doing it. And it's like, well, you know not about that person, but about the way we all view creativity and success. Mm -hmm. There are always people in the background that we all take inspiration from. And and we all have communities that we feed off of. We feed off of each other's creativity. Like some of my, the the people who inspire me the most creatively are the least famous people in the world. (laughs) You know, they, some of them are stand-up comics who only do the seller in New York Mm -hmm. and you'll never see them on TV. But to me, they are the most creative because they're creating something brand new. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to be honest, a lot of us take our cues from those people sometimes, you know, we don't know it. In, in, but it's like, ah, this person created something new. I want to create something new, too. It's like mm-hmm. we're always pushing things for each other in these creative communities. So for me, it's someone taking a risk and creating something new. And to me, that is what's really the most creative is like, who is the risk taker? Mm-hmm. Who's the who's the real risk taker? That's usually who the rest of us are taking our cues from. <laughs> and sometimes, it, you know, sometimes it's, it is the big people. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes, But ultimately, you know, it, it's just about who the risk takers are. And finally, we have actor, TV host, and comedian Wayne Brady on the perfect intersection of not only being creative, but also fulfilled. To me, and I have to stress it that way, creativity is the freedom to make not only what makes other people happy, but to make what makes you happy. And if those two things happen to coincide, then you've hit the lotto. Hmm. So, okay. Be free to create, because I think that what we end up doing, especially in show business where there's a lot of money on the line, is people create, whether it's a songwriter, whether it's a studio, whether it's a writer for a TV show, whether it's a game show, it's a bit, we all create with, this thing has got to be the next big hit, it's going to be amazing, and and, and I hope hope that they enjoy it, and then the people's enjoyment and the happiness, sometimes it goes, right, hates themselves afterwards. So I've just just said, you know, especially with this this production company that we have, he said, let's create shows that we would watch and let's create shows that would that will move the needle. So even in the creation of them, we're going to have fun and be joyful. And then guess what? And then if it works and somebody buys it and becomes a thing, then 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 it's the lotto. But even if it doesn't get to that point, then I'm still happy with it. First up, we're going to hear from best-selling author Amy Tan on making your creativity personal. Creativity, I believe, is so unique to each person. So you can't say, take a square, a triangle, and a circle and do something creative with it, when those elements may not even be relevant in your life as a creative person. 
what we have as our stockpile uh, to to use in, in our creative minds are all these experiences, our observations and our feelings about those things that happen. And I believe that, as I had mentioned before, that you take portions that some kind of image or feeling or sensation at the same time, and they're all intertwined into this one experience. And you suddenly you put that, you layer that onto something else, whether it's art or a story or a song or what you use as a metaphor. Here's actor Jeff Daniels reminding you that creativity really has no bounds. Freedom to imagine. Mm. Oh, I love yeah. that. Turning it loose. Turning it loose. Because there, there are so many people in this world, but, but crazily still, that thing that only you can see as an artist, only you can see. Mm. If man could fly, but he can't, except when he's being artistic. Mm. Art is man getting wings and flying. That's kind of what it is. Let's hear from author Soman Chanani on the importance of leading with what you do best. Creativity to me is, can you find the story that only you can tell? You know, mm -hmm. can you find the story that is only yours to tell? And if anybody else can do it, then either you need to let it go or you need to make it more you, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm always asking that before I start any project. Can anyone else do this? And sometimes I'll just talk about a story for a year to everybody, hoping someone else will do it. Hoping someone else will be like, <laughs> oh, that's great. I wish I had done that. And I'd be like, you should. <laughs> I just feel like I'll give it away, you know, waiting for someone to do it until it keeps kicking at me and keeps kicking at me year after year after year. I have to live with an idea for a few years before I do it. But there comes a day where it's like, oh, no. This one's yours. Next up is actor and producer Michael Jai White, who equates creativity with honesty. So for me, it's, you know, being searching for ultimate truth and honesty. Hmm. That has to start with yourself. Sometimes someone may not know what their motivations truly are. And that's going to reflect in your art. If there is any compromise in truth or honesty. We fool ourselves all the time. You know, like I said, that has an effect on what we create. Yeah, somebody can say, oh, this is honest from their perspective. But how learned is that perspective? Last up, we have Grammy-nominated singer Jesse Reyes, who actually echoes Jeff Daniels in actively pursuing freedom in her creativity. Freedom. Hmm. Creativity for me is freedom. Is not feeling restrained, not feeling restrained to somebody else's idea of what the vision should be, not feeling restrained to people's perception of who I am and the kind of music I need to be making, not feeling restrained for what I should wear and what certain people think that I need to be wearing to certain events. Like creativity is freedom to express in any medium, whether it's music, whether it's what I wear, whether it's what I, how I speak, whether it's what I read, it's freedom. Starting us off with this roundup is producer and actor Seth Green, who thinks when it comes to creativity, all you have to do is free your mind and the rest will follow. 
is there? Is there really a definition? It's like the creativity as an idea is just the spark. It's your willingness to expand on something that may not exist yet. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah. Oh, that's good. So I'm just trying to that bring open-minded, free thinking. There's no bad ideas. We're going to try and create something that that hasn't existed. Or, you know, in the sense of like music, you try to create a vibe and maybe it's existed, but you're going to you're going to hit that same frequency. Next up is actor John Cho, who feels most creative when he's tapping into his younger self. I guess I would connect it to, um, I guess, especially um, now that I have kids, it is um, if you can get to a place where it is completely free of weight, that's the place where you want to be. If it's pleasure, whether it's the coupling of five or six words in a, in a sequence that, that brings a smile to your face. That's like, that's where you want to get to. Um, if you're playing a scene, um, if you're playing a scene and, um, you just are connected to that other person in that scene, um, and you feel intimate with them, uh, that's just pleasurable. Uh, I, I guess, um, for me, it's, um, working very hard to get to simplicity and to, where children can access it in an instant. And as an adult, as the years go on, it's harder and harder every year to return to that place. And uh, I think that's our job, is to work towards simplicity and purity and fun Mm. and connection. For director Adam McKay, true creativity is that feeling where he doesn't want the process to end. I would say creativity... Just if, if I'm going to put it in the rawest, simplest terms, for me, is always some sort of hitch or toehold of inspiration. Mm. And it can be really small. And it can sometimes happen in an instant. Sometimes it builds over months. But there's a moment where you realize you have a seed that you have something that's so rich and full of possibilities that I feel like I could write 500 pages on it. Mm. And that's always when I know I've got something that's exciting when it feels endless. TV and film writer and producer Tracy Oliver echoes Adam McKay in feeling that creativity is about chasing what truly excites you. Okay. (laughs) I I see you with the the deep questions. Um, (laughs) I think at this point, for me, creativity has to mean something exciting Mm. and new and something that feels necessary and something I want to wake up and do. And that's a high bar, but that's how I kind of measure something. And I am really grateful that I still get giddy when I'm really excited about something. Yeah. I'm like a child, like, in the editing bay when I'm looking at a take that an actor just, like, nailed. I'm like, you did that! <laughs> and I'm, like, crying, and I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And people will say, like, I feel so validated when you like something because you you emote, like, you come alive. And I, that's how I know that I'm on the path of something. Like, right. when someone sends me, like, you know, a book or just whatever, or I, like, I'm looking at something, I'm like, I got it. And that's creativity to me. It's just, like, it's excitement. If I'm not excited about it, I don't really want to do it. 
And finally, we have saxophone legend Kenny G on how creativity is tied to trusting yourself. Wow, I don't even think I've ever even thought about it before. Mm. I really don't think about that. But now I'm going to think about it right now while we're talking. And I'm going to define creativity. Now, this is just my first thought on it because I've never thought about it before. But I think it's it's trusting things that you feel inside. Let's say, okay, I'm a sax player, so I'm going to think about it in terms of music. So I'm going to trust that something I hear inside is good. I'm going to trust that it's good. And then I'm going to go with that. And I'm going to take that idea that I think is good. And I'm going to try to expand it. And I'm going to try to make it better and make it more expressive and grow that, grow that idea. And that to me is creativity is doing it that way rather than looking around and seeing what's popular and trying to emulate something that you think is cool or you think people are going to like that comes from within and you trust yourself and you grow it from there. I think that's creativity. That's going to do it for this throwback episode of Creative Control. Make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you're in the loop when our new season drops in the fall. See you then.